You're listening to CKDU 88.1 FM in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I'm joined today by Lizzie Powell from the band Land of Talk. Lizzie, how are you today? I'm doing pretty great. The sun is shining and, um, yeah, all is well in uh, Aurelia, Ontario. Aurelia. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I wanted to ask, uh, this will be the third time that Land of Talk will be playing the East Coast this summer. Um, I know. Yes. Yeah, it, that was on my vision board last year. It was just like, we got to hit the East Coast. We haven't been in like a decade. So, yeah, dreams do come true. And a little bit of having great bookers and a great team. <laughs> Is there like a special attachment you feel toward Atlantic Canada at all? Um, okay, so yeah, uh, my bestest friend in the whole world back in high school, she ended up moving to Antigonish. Broke my heart. But I ended up following her after uh, I think I graduated a semester early and took off. And just uh, lived with her and her family in Antigonish and just fell in love with the East Coast. And then when we were there, and then I'd go back and visit her. And then she moved to Halifax, and I'd poke in and visit her there. And then sometimes we'd play shows there, and they were just always so, I don't know, the East Coast kind of has this, you know, the just the general salt-of-the-earth, like, goodness, and all the people are super, just like in Newfoundland, too, i got to say, I'm in love with Newfoundland. Um, yeah, just salt of the earth, super warm, and uh, they love the live music because it is hard to tour out there. It's a lot of space in between, and it's kind of difficult for bands of our kind of size to to get out there. Um, but yeah, so you guys are definitely all y'all are definitely appreciative when we do come out there. So yeah, I uh, for a couple of reasons I have a soft spot for the East Coast in my heart. <laughs> Well, that's really good to hear. Uh, yeah, we have the same soft spot for you too. Joining us at the Halifax oh, Jazz Fest. Oh, I love that. Uh, yes. Yes. So I congratulations on the record. I know it's been a little bit over a year, you. but um, it's still uh, a great statement of just like emotion awesome. and poignancy. So congratulations on releasing that out to the world. And thank you. Yeah. Now it has thank a life. You. That means a lot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's yeah. I, uh, that was a that was a much needed uh, kind of expression and rebirth sort of. Uh, that was kind of like my offering to my and my reentry back into the music world and industry. And so far, it seems like um, people are receiving it in the way that I intended, which is just like they're warm. They're warmed up to it, and it, it seems to be a positive kind of album for people. So that just makes me so happy. It's, you know, it's kind of the reason. Well, I wanted to get into it. that. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, um, thank you. <laughs> I wanted to get into that um, because you basically did um, step away from from the music industry for a bit. You know, you had that post on Facebook about selling your guitar amp. It seemed yeah. like a lot. Of, yeah, it seemed like. Well, what was going through your mind at that point when you made that post? It, it just felt like really like it kind of felt like like an the end of an era, just kind of naturally with a lot of stuff just felt like naturally it was kind of pushing me out of Montreal. I felt the need to kind of go back home and, you know, like a breakup. So I was kind of reeling from a personal breakup. I think a couple years on the road, having done Some Are Lakes, released it, toured. We were touring over in the UK and Europe then too. Um, so I think I just kind of reached a level of, I don't know if it was burnout or maybe I sometimes chalk it up to a disenchantment with the industry not with music i loved music but i found the industry and just the way that you kind of get plugged in to the industry and you start your album cycle and then you're kind of you you sort of just get 
overworked, I find, really quickly if you don't learn how to say no, which I didn't learn how to say, but now I definitely, I probably say no too often now. But, um, but yeah, so I think I just needed a change and I needed to see who I was um, outside of Land of Talk and who I was um, outside of being, um, even though we're not very kind of popular or like famous, it still felt like my persona was very much tied into, like my my identity was tied into my land of talk persona. So mm-hmm. I kind of just wanted to see who I was and maybe chase the domestic dream, you know, like I kind of felt like, oh, I worked on my career all in my 20s and all in my teens. I was kind of like a, not a child, like I started playing when I was like 11, like I started playing shows when I was 12 or 13. So kind of felt like a bit of like Macaulay Culkin, you know what I mean? Like you were like, you kind of want to and see what life would be like outside of that. But um, yeah, it kind of ended up being an extended hiatus because life got in the way. My dad ended up having a stroke, which he's still recovering from. So I kind of kept taking time off to take care of him. And then he ended up saying, okay, Lizzie, you got to get back to music. So it's like it became very obvious to him. So in a way, it was kind of like, yeah, he pushed my dad, pushed me back into music, Bucky, the original drummer of Land of Talk and my dear friend, he kind of pulled me out of my retirement. I don't know if he knew he was doing that, but he definitely, he helped. It kind of took a village of people to kind of get me back into the game. And um, yeah, I'm glad they did. I'm super grateful. So you feel excited to be back? Oh my gosh. It feels like, um, it feels better than it did because I feel like, A, when I was away, I mean, we still have a long way to go, but I do feel like um, women and um like femme presenting, like just like non-white mm-hmm. male cisgendered people are actually more represented and I see them like now there's more like, hey, now you're the sound person now. I'm like, oh, now I can have the option of having a woman as a tour manager, perhaps. I'm like, oh, Lori Torres is our bass player now. And like, it feels that's a totally, it's like a brave new world for me having like left the, the music industry when it just wasn't like that, like, mm-hmm. and I'm not complaining, but, um, but I, I'm definitely grateful now that, uh, things have changed, but I'm not going to celebrate it too much because things are right. still totally awful. Totally. Yeah. Hashtag me too. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's still a long way to go, but, um, in that sense, it feels really good to be back. And then just musically, like, wow, there's so much great music going on. Um, yeah. And I'm just grateful to be kind of welcome back into the fold because, Yes. A lot of time did go by, and it's easy to just kind of be forgotten about, and as it should be, you know, things change. Mm-hmm. But I'm super grateful that people still find uh, the music relevant. Like, that's pretty dope. <laughs> <laughs> so much music and so much great women, uh, so much great music made by women and made by right. women of color and people of color. and Yes. You know, just like not, like as you said, like non-white, straight, cisgendered dudes. Like, it's so Which great. was the norm. Like, mm-hmm. and I just... I think I might have, like, I kind of don't shut up about it because I'm still kind of like, whoa, like, it's always just, I like, don't shut shreds up about it. Magazine, yeah. like, She Shreds, a guitar yep. magazine. Yep. For, like, come on, that just wouldn't, that was what I wished for. Or, and I, that's what I didn't even know I needed. Like, I actually didn't even wish for it because I didn't even realize, you know what I mean? Like, that that mm-hmm, could even mm-hmm. be a possibility. So um, I get a little bit wistful. Like, I actually do get a little bit emotional about it. But, um, so, yeah, in a way, um yeah, it's just uh, yeah. I, it's a good thing to come back to. Yeah, I totally understand that feeling. Um, I had a interview with a journalist um, about Bob Dylan, um, yeah. 
and it was we were ta- we were getting really into the freewheeling Bob Dylan, and it was just so amazing for me to like talk to another woman about this stuff. Right, you don't even realize how like right. It's it kind of gives you shivers where you're like, oh wow, like just what a refreshing perspective, and wow, what a yeah, just a it's good to have um sister voices in the in the scene. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to get back into the record, Life After Youth. Um, I really wanted to know, what was what was the intent behind that title? I know maybe that's a bit of a cliched, stupid no, music no, no. journalist, but I, I think it was like a no, really I profound statement. Yeah, I love talking about it. Um, because, I don't know, titles and titling songs. Like, I've already titled the songs to the next record, and I'm still putting those songs together, But it's not, and I've already titled the next record. Like, I love... So yeah, life after it's almost like a little poem in and of itself. I kind of mm-hmm. so yeah, life after youth was sort of the idea of um, after thirty. There's there's kind of this feeling that like maybe as an artist and as a woman, like just a lot of kind of um, a lot kind of falls on your lap. But as you're kind of aging out of maybe you feel like you're aging out of relevance in pop culture, or maybe you're not represented after mm. you know. 30 or kind of that age like as you're kind of going into adulthood so I think a lot of people can be mistaken or I mean you know understandably in thinking that I guess that's when like life is over you know like the salad days are over and I, I was listening to Mac DeMarco uh, salad days oh yeah I kind of was thinking about a poem that like my first love of my life um after whom I wrote uh, it's okay he had written me a birthday letter once and Kind of it mentioned salad days, so I was kind of fascinated with this idea of just our obsession with youth and how that's when we have all our fun and and I get it that's true to some extent but um but there's actually a life after that <laughs> like life actually does get even richer sometimes if you you know if you're lucky enough to be surrounded by the right people and you're in good health and and such but um and I was thinking of my dad and the pos- and kind of the idea that the threat of having almost like I almost lost him. And the idea of life after death, I was kind of toying with all these ideas of that. So I kind of just, I think I was thinking of life after death. And then I just thought, whoa, all those ideas kind of just amalgamated or kind of blasted into one line, which was, yeah, I kind of inverted it or whatever. But yeah, life after youth. Um, that's sort of the long and short of it. I know it's kind of like the way I write songs. It's not really a linear way of, it's really difficult to articulate or explain, but um yeah, I guess that's poetry. Um, like, what is it? What do you think? What does it mean for you? I guess I life ask. after youth. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, I'm I'm 25. Um, okay. Right. Like, <laughs> so for me, like my relationship with youth is a little complicated because it always is when you're in it. Um, right. Yeah. Because there's a lot of upheaval. There's a lot of, tum- like emotional tumult that happens. In, yes. in your youth. So I just feel like there's like a life after youth. Like, where does that yes. begin? Where does that end? Um, and when can I expect that? Cause... Oh, that's beautiful. See, I love that. Oh, man, I'm so glad I asked. Um, wow. So there you go. That's what it means. That's actually, I should quote you. Oh. Um, that's beautiful. Yeah. So I think, I think right what on. you, t- I mean, that was all you. Like, you are the one who prompted that kind of response. And I wanted, so cool. I wanted to get to the song this time because I feel like it does yeah. sums up a lot of the feelings that you just described. Uh, yeah. And if you're not, fam- and for listeners, if you're not familiar with the song, like, here, take a listen to it.
So that was uh, This Time by Land of Talk, and I wanted to read some of the lyrics. I don't want to waste it this time I see fate and see fate as the end of me. I don't want to waste it, my life, and know it was in front of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just, that I, I, I always, I read those, and I just want to sit with that and just, just like look into a body of water and, and think about what, how that applies to me. But I wanted to know, like, where, like, where did that come from? I think, again, faced with uh, my dad's uh, surgery and then subsequent stroke, um, I think again, any kind of those, when you, those, those big moments, those life or death, those are moments that force you to contemplate all the big questions. I think that put me into a bit of a state of, well, what am I doing? Like it, it was happening to my dad, but it really forced me to think about who I am and what I was doing with my life at the time. And, and the fact that I was working with my dad doing manual labor, doing renovations and contracting and that was over like that was kind of my plan for for not playing music um so i think i was thinking about my future i think i was thinking about um like it's almost quite that's actually probably the most literal song i've ever written even though it still sounds kind of cryptic and i know i just can't help but make it sound poetic but that is very uh, clearly like i just wanted to make sure i didn't feel like i was wasting my time but it's almost like i just wanted to make sure like a, a preemptive or some kind of an anxiety about, like, I, I'm hoping I don't end up wasting my time. Like, I'm hoping that I'm making the right decision. To see the fate that's the end of me. I think I was just, I think, or maybe I was just becoming, I was starting to become aware of time, perhaps, because I am a bit of a, I'm an artist, you know, I've got an amorphous, I got kind of like a non-linear sense of time, and maybe this started making me think of it more, and maybe making me realize more that I am on the time train, like it or not, and so yeah, maybe I just, it kind of was a shift in my awareness of, uh, yeah, the kind of trajectory of my life, and how I want to kind of um, and I think I also, I always get inspired by quotes, too, and I think around that time I had heard the quote, or I guess the adage, that just, um, t- um, show me your friends and I'll tell you your future, or something like, show me your, I don't know, just sort of, I started to think about the way I was spending time, and I realized, like, I was isolating, too, like, I kind of moved up and isolated myself, and I was away from uh, all my my community and my support systems and I'm kind of one of those people who's kind of like out of sight like if I'm off I'm kind of I kind of go like emotionally off grid or I just so I I definitely was isolating and I think I wanted to make sure that I didn't end up being that way like as an older like I I think I I, it was kind of my time to go okay I think I gotta kind of make some changes if I want to have a good time in the future you know so yeah I think it's a lot of stuff as usual it's always just a big melange (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I wanted to get into that a little bit because many people have interpreted this record to be like a very, an optimistic return um, to music, to the music industry, to performing. But it is a lot more complicated than that, obviously. Always, right? Always yeah. more complicated than that. And I want to know how those songs originated. Did you kind of just like sit down one day and write them all or did they happen? No. Oh, my gosh. No, I'm such a slow. Oh, gosh. I am like, the, I am not a prolific um, songwriter. I'm a prolific artist. Like I, I'm always creating, but the actual songs take forever. So a lo- some of these songs, 
were the beginnings of songs or full songs that I had recorded when I did initially leave Montreal and uh, I was still recording and intending on making a solo record. So a lot of these songs were on that, on my old computer. It totally crashed. I brought it into two computer stores. They were like, kiss a goodbye. So I buried it. <laughs> but um, so those songs, though, still stayed in my memory, like some of the hooks and some of the guitar parts, some of the melodies. So a lot of that musically kind of bled in to Life After Youth once I started recording again. And then lyrically, though, the lyrics were from like my newer perspective post um, my dad's stroke. That's kind of like a, a marker, a landmarker, ear marker, is that my dad's uh, stroke. I'm sure that's become quite apparent. But um, yeah, so I think, um, oh, and they kind of come from like if I'm just walking to the grocery store or if I'm fast asleep, it's like an axman. What did, uh, was it Werner Herzog described inspiration sometimes as just being like, ambushed by an axeman like waking up and there's just like this like fierce inspiration attacking you and so I have to wake up and kind of voice memo it or I jot it down so it's always kind of just I'm always collecting um it's almost like I uh, I described it yesterday to a friend that I just always kind of like every day I go and cast my reel like I'm fishing mm-hmm. and uh some days I catch little fish some days I catch garbage you know but it all kind of informs the bigger picture and it all kind of comes together in a really kind of webby way. Like a, it's, it's really neat to watch it come together and it's really difficult to describe. It's a very puzzle. I would describe it more as like a puzzle than, than anything, you know, more clear than that. It kind of just reveals itself. But yeah, so that's kind of how it works. And then I play stuff over and over and over and over again, record it in like 20 different, 30 different ways and then send those things to Bucky and then he plays drums along in his basement to his headphones, and then we kind of bounce stuff back and forth. Sometimes I send him a drum beat to give him the idea of kind of what I'm going for, and then he, because I'm not a drummer, but he gets, you know, like, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's kind of, and then Bucky starts to inform. Sometimes then Bucky's rhythms and his beats and how he's playing, that'll make me hear some kind of overtone or some kind of other rhythm, and that then it kind of becomes this neat, uh, more like, like, um, co-creation or collaboration but initially yeah a lot of it just starts with me kind of like the lonely fisher fisher person (laughs) has your father listened to the album oh totally yeah yeah and and he also listens to the beginning like all the little demos i would play for him um when he was in when he was still in the hospital so um yeah he's very proud he's very he gets very emotional and he's very proud so uh yeah, that's always, and he came, he came, he's coming this weekend to Mariposa Folk Festival. We're playing Saturday at 5.30, so uh, that's a perfect time for him, and he can just come, stay for an hour, and then go back home and, and rest, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, what was that moment like for you when you would play your demos and he would be listening, and what was that like for you? Um, It was beautiful to watch him respond to something, um, like, I think I noticed that the only thing that he was responding to or getting any kind of um, relief or kind of um, solstice from was, um, solace from, sorry, was um, music. Like, my brother made him a play- playlist of a lot of classical pieces. And so I think it was really beautiful once I started playing him my music to see him also kind of get lost in it and get that look in his eyes. Like, 
for maybe an instance he wasn't kind of feeling the neuropathic pain that goes along with his post-stroke. Like he has a lot of, he's in pain a lot. Um, so yeah, it was nice to see just that nice look that he gets. So it kind of washes over his face when his music comes on. So um, yeah, it definitely felt like a very honored and uh, grateful that he does consider me. A, he's a he's a fan. You know what? That's the coolest thing a daughter could ask for. He's a, he's a big land attack fan. And he was always the one who would play like Whitney Houston, Fine Young Cannibals, Sarah McLaughlin. Like he was the one always rocking the chains in the car. So uh, he's definitely he's definitely uh, a reason why I do what I do. Yeah, traveling Wolverines, Neil Young. Mm. But yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I I think I'll leave it at that. But is there anything sure. else you wanted to add before I let you go? Just that we're super stoked to play the East Coast. We're super, super, super excited to play Halifax Jazz Fest. It'll be awesome. Yes, so Land of Talk does play at the Halifax Jazz Festival July 12th at 7 yeah. p.m. at the, at St. Matthew's Church. So it should be a really great show. And yeah, come on out. Yeah, thank you so much, Lizzie, for joining me today. Thank you, Vincent.